Hello, No Code Nation. I'm Ayush, and you're listening to my No Code Story. And this is not your typical entrepreneurship podcast. Here, you get to listen to real people who are building cool stuff, all without writing a single line of code. This is the future of independent entrepreneurship, and you have a front row seat. Welcome to 2022, my friends. Happy New Year, and I wish you all a boatload of success with all your no-code projects this year. First of all, I want to thank all of you who have been listening to the podcast in 2021. With your support, I was able to publish over 25 episodes. That's over 975 minutes of content. And the biggest thing for me is that this podcast has listeners from over 50 countries and over 2,500 downloads. So needless to say, I did not expect this. But what this has done is it has gotten me fired up to put more content out in 2022 and really focus on bringing out those stories that nobody has heard. I put a tweet out publishing these results on Twitter a few days back and uh, it got retweeted like crazy. So the one thing that I would ask of people listening to this podcast now is if you know someone that's starting their no-code journey in 2022, send them to mynocodestory.com and ask them to listen to this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. All right, today I share a creative way for small business owners, including those online businesses, of course, to raise funds without relinquishing control of their business. Yes, a system for partial exits where vetted companies are able to raise funds from vetted investors. And who does all this vetting? It's a company called Bits for Digits. I had a chance to sit down with Jan Peters and Loritz founders of Bits for Digits, and talk to them about this unique concept. Refreshing is the one word that I would use to describe how it felt talking to them. They're using all of their previous career experience in fintech with the likes of Google, Facebook, and BlackRock to help founders of small businesses. And here's the kicker. Their web app is built with 100% no-code tech. You're going to want to hang on to every single word of this story. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Hi, I'm Jan Philip Peters. And hello, I am Laura Just, and this is our no code story. All right. Lauritz and JP, thank you both for being on the on the podcast. I'm really excited about this. We're starting to get into a few different areas now with, with the podcast. One is Obviously, we started with a focus on, but then the last couple of discussions that I've had have focused on decentralized web and, you know, web three tech and, and stuff like that. And now we're here talking about, uh, you know, fundraising and new ways to do it. So I'm really excited to dig into all these different, uh, different layers of no code, if you will. But first of all, really great to have you guys on. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, really appreciate it. Excited to, to talk about no code and our journey. So you both started a business called Bits for Digits. Tell us about the early founding days and tell us about your background before you started Bits for Digits. Yeah, so I'm Jan Philip, or usually referred to as JP. And my background was I used to work for first Facebook and then Google. Lawrence here and I met in college a few years ago. Yeah, so I'm, I'm originally from Denmark. JP is from Germany. Um, we studied together in Copenhagen. After Copenhagen, I studied a bit more in the UK and then subsequently worked in the UK for uh, BlackRock in, in asset management. And then we left our jobs about, well, over the summer, so about five months ago, 
uh, to found Bits for Digits. Yeah, basically is a private equity marketplace for uh, small and medium-sized businesses to, to sell stakes or yeah, equity, if you will, to investors. Uh, so a partial buyout or a partial exit uh, platform. And uh, we have the, we think, prerequisites for launching such a product, given JP's experience working in tech and mine working in finance, kind of combining forces to, to build this up. However, none of us are software engineers, as we can like kind of get into, and hence the kind of solution for, for this via no-code tools. So I, I really like the, the idea of building a platform that really allows founders, because we have a lot of no-code founders these days that are generating uh, revenue as part of their no-code businesses, but aren't really looking to fundraise outside of the traditional fundraising route, which... Frankly, the market's too crowded and uh, there's a funding that's going towards, you know, new technology, that AI and, and Web3 and so on. And a lot of the traditional small and medium-sized businesses, which I think is your target market, they feel largely ignored for two reasons. One, you know, they, they have a hard enough time trying to, you know, get things working and, and making sure that they're actually able to charge their customers and keeping everything running with a team of one or two. And secondly, with small and medium-sized businesses, the, the ROI may not be as lucrative for traditional venture capitalists as, as you would, you know, if a company has already raised maybe an angel round and they're showing steady growth and, and you start looking at it from an ROI standpoint. So I think you combine kind of the best of both worlds there. But tell me about the, the idea of how did you guys meet and what, what was the genesis of, um, of the so, so actually, yeah, you, I just want to touch on, on one point that you said with venture capital and, and small, medium-sized online businesses. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Like, actually, profitability can be a red flag for a lot of these like exactly. venture funds and also some angel investors, which we find totally comic. Like, it's 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 funny to us that that just because you make a profit and are cash flow positive, you are uninvestable, so to speak. So that. That's something we, we definitely wanted to change with Bits for Digits and provide a way for, for your founders to take some, some chips off the table, get some liquidity in their personal finances while staying invested to run this for the, for the long term. And I guess like how we arrived at this kind of mission, we have to go back to when JP and I were in college in Copenhagen. We were, we were actually in a, in a course together. This was during our graduate studies and we were about, I think we were 23 years old each of us and we took a course on entrepreneurship and we were kind of intrigued by like entrepreneurship already before college um, and uh, taking this course we got exposure to a lot of different business cases of uh, founders who had launched uh, a business usually a tech business right uh, keeping with the times uh, we were always amazed at how like hit or miss it could be to launch a business right and we were starting to wondering is it possible to buy into an existing business rather than actually working as an employee to become self-employed by kind of like parking a bit of capital in an existing business and then helping that business grow. Because you have these like new age acquisition marketplaces, right? Like full acquisition marketplaces like Flipper, which has been around for, I don't know, a decade. And then you have the new like entrance, like microacquire, where you can buy entire businesses, but that's quite capital intensive and also fairly risky. You might risk buying a cat in them. So we were we were starting to wondering, like, is there an alternative route to employment to become self-employed by buying into an existing business and kind of helping that business grow? So that was kind of the, the offset point was like, can we quit our jobs 
buy a piece of an existing business and help it grow um, to become self-employed that way. Uh, so kind of growing our, our wealth in equity rather than a salary. And so we, we started to like do like, these tests using cards.io to test if there was a willingness to pay, if there was an interest. So we, we, we tried to validate this idea of like, equity minor like minority transactions and and and, and that stuff and, and that's kind of how we pivoted into this now which is bits for digits which kind of helps founders uh, do partial exits and, and thus onboard equity partners to to kind of either provide advisory or operational excellence or whatever but definitely capital right and it's usually secondaries that we offer founders a, a platform for but we also have offering where founders can actually raise capital to grow their online businesses so it doesn't have to be you know i sell equity and get cash in my personal bank account it can also be i issue new shares to raise capital for my business to grow i.e. via like, you know, marketing spend or to hire full-time engineers or whatever uh, is needed by the business. So yeah, JP, do you want to say anything? So it's important to note that we came here from the investor's perspective, right? Because that's kind of what we wanted to do. And we originally considered any type of younger internet business, right? There's a lot of startups. We look at AngelList. There's a lot of uh, people that list their business there. But in doing a lot of user testing and speaking to hundreds of uh, entrepreneurs at this point, we found out that a lot of these entrepreneurs that run these profitable, great online businesses that are not VC cases, these are businesses that will never IPO. These are your micro SaaS tools. These are your great Shopify stores, Amazon FBA businesses. They never really see a way out. For them, the only option is to sell the entire company or they could just keep running it until basically there's no business left to run. And this really was the fit for us where we felt, okay, we need to offer this, right? There, there are these partial buyouts. They happen every once in a while here and there. Small private equity firms are more and more interested in these types of deals. But there's a huge discovery problem in the market as well. No one really knows where to find these businesses. And these businesses that might want to do this don't know who the right investor would be. And that's what we're trying to solve with our platform. So let's dig into how you're approaching this a little bit. Because what, what I would think is, I mean, you said it yourself, right? There aren't too many of these deals happening where small and medium-sized businesses are selling a minority stake or a small portion of their business. So what I would think you have is a first mile problem of awareness where investors may not know that there's a marketplace out there where they could get verified and they could get access to high quality businesses. And businesses may not know that there's a marketplace where they need to list. How are you coming at and, and how does kind of building in public, all of these things, how does that work its way into your approach and, and walk, us, walk us through your thought process a Exactly. What we basically need to do is a lot of education in the market because there are places out there where founders specifically are looking for these types of deals, but they're usually on platforms that are not meant for it. So for example, there are co-founder seeking platforms where you can look for new co-founders where they actually say, we don't really need a new co-founder. We just want someone to like buy a piece of this business, right? That was one of our great indicators that there's a need for this, but there isn't really a product that 
adequately serves this need. And building in public really is super important for us. So we're on Indie Hackers. We're, we're posting about it on Twitter because we just want to be in the community of other founders that are building similar businesses. So we, we make them aware of the fact that this partial exit is actually a route that's possible for them to take. And let's talk about something interesting here that, that I stumbled on while I was just going to the Bits for Digits website. So you have this case study there on the website of two very public individuals and, and or popular individuals and businesses leveraging this kind of a structure to, to ensure growth and to ensure some kind of an investment partnership. So walk us through that case study and, and tell us how you came about it. And, and, and also, how does that translate into a real-life journey for a smaller, medium-sized business owner? And are there parallels in, in terms of how, how this case study worked versus how a typical deal would work? Yep. No, I'm happy to answer that one. So the case study that you're referring to on our website, which we published, is the story of Basecamp. The founder, Jason, Fried, and David, they started Basecamp back in 2004. Before that, they were running a, or I think Jason was running web development service called Signal versus Noise from year 1999 uh, up until 2004 when they built this product, Basecamp, with the help of David. And, and, and David is the founder of Ruby on Rails. And they, they basically built tools like a, a SaaS business around Basecamp for other developers to start like leveraging a platform to build websites uh, and other web applications. And um, this, this product, Basecamp, became very popular and it became profitable pretty much like from day one. And so in 2006, two years after founding Basecamp, the two founders, Jason and David, they got in touch with Jeff Bezos at the time. You know, he was running Amazon also then. And they struck a deal for Jeff to buy a minority no-control stake in Basecamp, which the money of which, like that investment went to Jason and David personally. So it was a secondary offering of secondary shares, right? Where Jeff basically paid for some partial ownership in the business. And along with that agreement was a kind of a shared earnings agreement where uh, part of the profits uh, annually would be uh, transferred to Jeff. So the founders did this to take some cash off the table right? It's, it's, it's a partial exit in the way that they sold a bit of ownership to get some money in the bank and then really go for Basecamp like in like the long run and, and stay in the business with the confidence that they had already realized part of the return of that business. So you can call it hedging a bet. Uh, that's what we would call it in, in, in finance speak, where, where you take some money home, but still stay invested for the long term. And, and so the two founders had the confidence to really like go for the long run with Basecamp. And they wrote a post about it. I think David wrote it in 2017 that I read. And I was just like, oh, this is really cool. And uh, then I heard Jason speak on a podcast about this deal in 2000. And well, this year, actually, it was over the summer. And then I just reached out to them uh, saying like huge fans, obviously. And then, yeah, basically posted the, the, the case study on our website. So that's that's a parallel to like what we're trying to accomplish, right? That fits with our mission statement to offer founders uh, a way to partially exit their businesses 
while still staying invested for future upside. And and yeah, we 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 obviously are always uh, looking for more case studies like this because they are a bit hard to find because there is no dedicated platform for them. And these deals usually happen behind closed doors. Not everyone is as public about it as Jason and, and, and David is, that they sold a little bit to, to take cash off the table because there is a little bit of stigma around doing that. There is this all or nothing grow or die dichotomy in the startup space where founders tie all their net worth into one asset and that asset is their online business. And we all know that there is a lot of new trends, shorter life cycles in the online space, whether you are a, a, an app developer or a, a SaaS, what, whatever business you're running online, preferences change and technology changes so fast that it's hard to know if your foundation is going to be eroded next year and your business model obsolete from new entrants into the market, strong, fierce competition, yada, yada, yada. So there is a good reason to take a little bit of cash off the table while you are profitable uh, to kind of like, okay, at least now if things go south, I still have something to like fall back on financially, right? I'm not, I'm not going to go from like, you know, like potentially rich on paper to then, you know, homeless. I, I have something. So yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the, the culture, if you will, the, the, the taboo that we're trying to like overcome with a, a partial exit market. So, so yeah, Jason and David's example is, is great because it involves high profiles and they're open about it and uh, they're happy they did it even now, you know, oh, how many years, 15 years later. So, so it's, it's, it's really a, a strong example and, and every, everyone knows Basecamp. Uh, it's, it's a great product. They build great products still today. I, I know, you know, you guys recently hit your first hundred users as well. So uh, congrats on that, first of all, and walk us through the user's journey. So let's say I'm a small, uh, small business owner. I know I'm profitable. I have maybe a few hundred thousand in recurring annual revenue. How do I list on, on your website and what is the process? Yeah, first of all, thank you so much. We're also very excited about that first 100. And as a small business owner, basically you just come to our website and uh, you can create your account to see the marketplace immediately. So you just sign up with your email address, you get access straight away, and you can see all the other businesses that have listed with us and also other investors, right? Because on our platform, investors also create their own profiles. So you can see if there might be a fit here for you already. For example, there might be a small private equity fund that focuses on, I don't know, e-commerce companies and you yourself run an e-commerce business. So there's that immediate fit. If you want to then list your business, that is a, there's a few more steps in there because we do a lot of vetting on our end. Because we, of course, don't want just anyone to be able to list maybe a fake business or like very inflated numbers. Or on the other end, we want these to be real investors. So you can go through a form, you fill out information about your business itself, and then we vet you via uh, your LinkedIn profile and the email address that you gave us. And we have a look at your business. And then once we, we have had a look at it, we approve it, then you're on the, on the marketplace. And getting that like second step verification unlocks our key feature, which is messaging with others on the platform. That means that you can message one of these other investors that was verified, or they can come to you and message you them. And very important to notice, 
up till here, everyone's so anonymous. No one knows that you actually listed your business. It's still just numbers. The category would still be, just be e-commerce. You'll give a vague description of what your business does, but not to the point where someone could really narrow it down and say, oh, this is you, because we just want to protect the privacy of all the members on our platform. So once you have reached this level where you're basically able to message with others, you can just step in contact with them, talk to some of these investors, then eventually reveal who you are, sign an NDA, maybe an LOI, and then get the investment process started from there. And do you guys help with some of the paperwork from an investment standpoint, uh, either for the investors yeah. or for the listing company? So we, we have right now a resources page where we also like weekly write new articles about partial buyouts, you know, certain categories, how to grow a business after buy-in or buyout. We, we, we also on that resource page have legal templates and these are free, like everything. The whole platform is free for founders, which you probably say straight off, where they can download NDAs, right? Non-disclosure agreements, uh, letter of intents. And then also equity partnership agreement templates, as well as shared earning agreement templates. And these are just easily amendable. You can, you know, change and fill, fill in the names of the company, the person, the, the, the investor, the amount of equity being sold, how the structure of the deal is going to look like. You know, if, the, if, if we're talking about a minority investor, right, someone buying less than 50% of the business equity then that person is entitled to X amount of the annual proceeds of the business, or they're just interested in capital gains. So there's no shared earnings agreement, whatever it may be. You can also imagine majority deals where an investor buys more than 50% of the equity stake. And they do so to basically gain control over the business, still with the founder involved in a supporting role. And then to grow the business, right? This typically happens when a search fund, which is a form of PE, when they buy into a business, they buy in to optimize it from a profitability standpoint or to grow it or both, and then sell it uh, in a couple of years time. And for that, they, they often want the involvement of the founder to kind of help support, provide legacy knowledge to the, the daily activities that, 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 that needs to be done. Uh, while still calling the shots. So, so there are different deal structures that can happen in the partial buyout space. And we have some of the templates necessary here. But, but one important thing to note is that the investors that we allow onto the platform are sophisticated, like they, they are accredited investors, either individuals or institutions. So you don't have that unprofessional kind of problem where the investor doesn't know what they're doing. They, they are experienced investors. So oftentimes they can help the founder answer a lot of these questions because a lot of the, like most of our founders have never sold equity. They don't even know like what company shares are or how to use them because they've never fundraised. And that's perfectly fine. We are here to like help as much as we can, but also the investor side of our platform are experienced professionals in this space. So they can help with a lot of the process and, and transactional questions that arise during the process, right? So, so that's, that's definitely a big part of it. In, in future, we, we do want to offer like more hands-on legal aid and transactional services for like, you know, premium financing uh, options and, and, and products. But right now, we're very much just a like kind of a, a vetting like service for businesses and investors and facilitator of handshakes to get these two parties connected to discover each other and to take things forward. Yep. 
and and you guys are bootstrapping the business, right? But the fact that I love is that you've used almost exclusively no-code tech. Your stack is full of no-code tools, right, to, to build this marketplace. So tell us a little bit about your stack and what what was the toughest part about building using Exactly. So when we first started our journey, we weren't even sure if we wanted to do it with no-code tools. We thought initially maybe we should really fundraise and get a developer on board to build this for us. But mm, just giving away money or equity for free in the very early stages didn't really feel right for us. Then we also consulted with other vendors that might build this for us that would just pay straight out. But we were very uncertain about the right pricing here. Would the quality be on par? What if we wanted to change something? Would that happen very expensively? Or when would that happen? So we eventually landed on, okay, we'll just learn how to build this ourselves with no-code tools. And then we basically just started going. We built the base on Webflow. Most of our or other no-code tools simply just plug in. That I'd say is the great base. And what ties it all together is Integromat, basically. So we have a lot of no-code tools like member stack, member chat that we use, JetBoost, and uh, all of that basically just plugs into what we do on Webflow. And what would you say, Lords, is the most difficult part? The one tool that kind of irked us yeah, I, to implement? <laughs> I, I feel you're, it's, that's, a, that's a leading question. So our backend is, is basically run on something called Integromat, which is something similar to Sapier or Sapier. I never know how to pronounce that. So it's, it's basically a, a tool that allows you to glue together different solutions and different processes and workflows to automate. So for instance, uh, you know, uh, Webflow has a content management system that we use very heavily for these business listings and investor profiles. And whenever a form is submitted, we actually go outside of Webflow and have that workflow of that data being created and, and inserted into our CMS Webflow. And, and that whole process is just one of the scenarios that we have had to set up and actually, you know, uh, get to yeah, ground truth with with no experience of how to how to build these automated workflows. And we've also built now uh, a native workflow for user authentication. Before that, we were using, and now we can use Integromat so that whenever a new user signs up, we do email verification to check that they are indeed uh, a user of this email. And then they can sign up with us by using like these uh, verification email links that we send to them in their inbox. And this all happens via like an API call from Integromat. And there are great guides to how to build these workflows in Integromat and, and, and kind of glue together all your other member stack web campaign monitor tools together in, in, in like a seamless uh, fashion. So, so definitely possible with enough YouTube videos and, and Google guides you can, you, can, you can do this yourself. And we were amazed that two idiots like us could, could actually do this because initially, like JP was alluding to, we were just going to build an MVP with these tools. And then we found out, okay, we built the MVP. Does it scale now, right? That's always the next question. Like, does it scale? And it does. We can, we can scale it up to about 10,000 listings on the, on, the, on the Webflow. And we can, we can have like thousands of users on, on member stack as well. And, and, and the pricing just kind of scales with our scale. So we have more business, we have to pay a bit more, but that's justified, you know? So, so the business model around these no-code tools very much fits our like incentives for using them uh, in that we can use them, build them uh, or yeah, build with them 
and also pay for them accordingly with, with the amount of traffic and, and business that we generate for ourselves. So, so yeah, it's uh, very much astonishing what you can do today. I love that you went into so much detail about the, the process itself and um, the fact that you're using essentially Integromat as your your backend, like you said. You kind of stole my next question there, which was at what point do you feel you need to level up from, you know, Integromat and, and this ecosystem that you have right now? And it sounds like that number comes with, with scale and you're you're really looking at you know, scaling up to several thousand listings on your platform before you actually have to make the jump and so on. What are you thinking in terms of your journey from a fundraising standpoint for yourselves? Are you going to list um, your business on on your platform too? So I think we had very different conceptions before starting this as opposed to where we are now. When we thought about starting this, we thought, okay, we're building a tech platform. Neither of us are real software engineers. We definitely need to raise some capital. And now that we're running this, our no-code tools cost us, I think, $130 a month, maybe. That's just super cheap to to bootstrap. So, I mean, from our previous jobs, we do have uh, a bit of a, a savings back here. We're definitely able to bootstrap this for a while. And we just want to see where it goes without actually having to get funding, right? And then if we ever got funding on board, we probably use it more in the veins of like marketing, advertising, that kind of stuff to get more users on board. But of course, we would use our own platform, Bits for Digits, to to get someone to buy into the But we'll just try and see where we can go without the funding for now. Awesome. And I, I think this is just so refreshing to speak with, you know, founders that have that have been in the the fintech or financial services space and and also the tech space and are trying to really bring the best of both worlds together to target a market that has been really under. I mean, just this uh, past week, we saw that JotFarm announced their, you know, new apps platform, which if you look at it, it's basically a way to build a very quick, you know, web presence. And at least from from my vantage point, the target seems to be, you know, small and medium-sized businesses. So I think finally, you know, beyond Square, you know, companies have started to pay attention to small and medium-sized businesses and, and give them something that, that they can really use to, to get a bit more sophisticated. So I love that that's the market that you're targeting. And again, it was just a refreshing conversation. I'd love to have you guys back on, you know, once you've you know, grown the platform and you've had several deals go through, maybe, you know, have some kind of a founder chat, something like that for one of the founders that listed on, on, on the platform, et cetera. And this is just a good template for any SMB that, that is built using either no-code tech or, or not, but any even physical businesses to, you know, look at fundraising as an option for a partial exit. Thank you both again for taking the time. It's a great note to, to end the podcast. Why don't you guys give our audience a handoff to where they can learn more about Bits for Digits, uh, learn more about you guys personally. And just like you reached out to the founder of Basecamp, Jason, how can people reach yeah, so first of all, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. People can find, find us at bitsfordigits.com or I think we're fairly prominent on Twitter now, also at bitsfordigits or us personally. I think mine is JP David Peters or uh, mine, is, mine is Laurette JB on Twitter. But we're also on Indie Hackers, right? We're, we're actually building this in public, like you said. 
And uh, yeah, pe people can follow our journey as we progress and as we make uh, more like deal facilitations and uh, help more founders their bets and take some cash off the table. So yeah, it's, it's been a real joy being on the uh, No Code Story here and I uh, hope to catch up with you again soon. Thank you both again and we'll speak soon. All right, that was the show. Thank you for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed it and got a ton out of it. If you did, there are two things you need to do. Number one, make sure you subscribe to the show to get notified when a new no-code story drops. And number two, I want to ask you a favor. Who's the one person you know who would absolutely benefit from hearing this story? Text them right now and send them to mynocodestory.com and reference this episode. Maybe they're an entrepreneur, maybe they can use this episode to level up at their job, or maybe they're just someone who loves creating new things. Do it. Subscribe and then send them the text. Make a difference. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next one.